Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And I remember I found the clarity to write down on a piece of paper. I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. I want to spend quality time with the people I love. I want to be creatively inspired. And I want to create things of value to myself and the world. And the minute I wrote that down on that piece of paper, it enabled me to say no to things, it enabled me to say yes to things, it gave me a mission. Welcome to the Adventure Podcast and this episode with Sam Branson. Sam is an adventurer, traveler, charity founder, and filmmaker who spends as much time as he can in the wild and wonderful parts of our planet. Sam was, as many of you will be aware, born into a life of privilege, but as I hope you will come to see, he's acutely aware of who he is and where he comes from. When I first contacted Sam and asked him to come on the podcast, I knew I was only willing to have the conversation if Sam was willing to go deep and be challenged with a few tougher questions. I was thrilled with how open, frank, and real he was able to be. He's so clearly comfortable with who and what he is, and his life and journey are fascinating and inspiring in so many ways. Before we begin, I'd like to mention that we're on Patreon. So if you're a regular listener to the podcast and would like to access extra content, including InVision interviews and monthly sit-downs with me and a guest, then you can find us on Patreon at The Adventure Podcast. I'd also like to talk to you about Sidetrack Magazine, our sister publication. Sidetrack is an incredible quarterly journal that celebrates authentic stories of adventure and exploration. You can find out more at sidetracked.com. I'd also like to take a quick moment to push you in the direction of our charitable partner, the Martin Moran Foundation. They're a wonderful organisation working to get young people from disadvantaged backgrounds into the outdoors. You can find information about how you can support them on our Instagram bio at The Adventure Podcast. Finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, then please do subscribe on iTunes and leave us an honest review. They're a big help and it really does help us bring the podcast to a wider audience. Okay, over to Sam Branson. Right, well, rock and roll. Yeah, mate. No prep, freestyle. Mm-hmm. So, logical place to begin. Mm-hmm. Can you just tell me who you are and what you do, whatever that means to you? Mm. Well, firstly, thank you for having me. Um, it's lovely to do this in person, the amount of times that in this day and age that you're doing this, seeing someone on the computer screen, so it's nice to meet you. Um, so I'm, my name is Sam Branson. Uh, I'm 37 years old, uh, father of two wonderful children. I live in Oxfordshire. Um, and what was the other question? What do I do? Um, it's a hard question to answer. I, I do a whole range of things. My main business is TV and film production. So when I was 25, I set up a production company, um, mainly to try and bring new audiences to important topics. Still do that. 
Um, and alongside that, since I was young, I've been a sort of an adventurer and uh, love exploring the world and challenging myself and undertaking quite a few exciting big trips and also smaller trips um, uh, and do quite a lot of philanthropy along the side of it and trying to uh, mix my love of adventure um, with raising funds for organizations. Um, and then about uh, when I hit 30, I realized that if I didn't pursue my passion for music, it would be a deathbed regret. So I very late in life took a dog leg and decided to put all the energy spare that I had into pursuing my passion for music. Ace, there's lots to unpack there. Yeah, lot, lot, <laughs> lots of different things. But I think it would be really good to just, I think some of the audience will be sick to death of me asking this, but you say adventurer, and that mm. word means lots of things to lots of people. Mm. What does it mean to you, and where did that spark come from in your life? Mm. So adventuring to me is, it's a mindset. It's the type of person I am. It's, uh, it's, it, it's based on my insatiable curiosity to learn and grow uh, and to experience new things and to be out in nature and having excuses in the way actually to go and experiencing, experience more of this beautiful planet of ours um, to test my personal mental physical limits, uh, to have shared experiences with other people. Uh, and, um, and so, yeah, I mean, how did that start? I think part of it is the type of person I am. You know, my mum told me the other day that uh, she was overheard her saying to someone else that I was saying how 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 much energy my son has and, and then she said he's not half as high energy as you were. Apparently I couldn't stop climbing every single tree uh, that I came across and it was just inbuilt into me, I suppose, to explore. Um, and I have, I, had, I have an adventurous father who went off on big trips uh, when I was younger um, but I don't think it's those trips necessarily that inform me. It's probably the type of person that he is, um, someone who constantly pushes himself and ropes us along and would, when we were kids, go to a restaurant and instead of jumping in a taxi, we would walk through the trees and end up at lunch three hours too late because we got lost. Um, so I think I've been around adventure when I was younger, but the thing that really was my first big sense of adventuring that that was very life-changing for me was when I went to the Arctic when I was 23 for a three-month dog sled expedition and that um that was the foundation of my more more sort of proper adventuring if you will amazing and I definitely want to go into the dog sled stuff mm. but the those early years I you know they're obviously so formative we both have kids mm. we see it in them but you know, I guess in some senses you were living a traditional life. You were going to school, mm -hmm. you were being taught, and then I assume you were going off on some amazing experiences. Mm -hmm. How formative do you think that was and what sort of thing were you getting up to? Yeah, I mean, we lived a, a pretty normal normal day-to-day -day life at home, you know, school, home, school, home, holidays. Uh, but we were blessed enough uh, to be able to go to lovely places on holidays and, and travel the world and... Um, you know, all sorts of different parts of the world. And I always was fascinated by other cultures and, and other people and the way they live and being exposed at a young age to, wow, how we live in England uh, is not how other people live in the world. And 
you know, I remember being six and and going to Sri Lanka and 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 seeing homeless people on the street and saying to my mum and dad, you know, why can't they come live with us? You know, we've got space in our house and trying to get my head around that and just like just just I think being a sensitive, open, curious, explorative young person when you go and experience other cultures, it can't help but inform you in never taking anything for granted and never seeing what you have or the way that you live as as the way it should be because you just realize that everyone lives differently. Um, And so, you know, as I became an adult, I've continued my love of travel and, and that's what informs me and my place in the world, you know, the most, I would say. And what pushed you to go you know, 23 is still fairly young, but not 16 or 18. What was it that pushed you to go to the Arctic for three months and why a dog sled? Um, so I, so actually the year before that, I got invited by a guy called Will Steger, who's sort of one of the most famous, sorry, most experienced, but not the most famous explorer out there. But um, for those in the world, they know who he is. Uh, to go on a climate trip where we were traveling with the Inuit from Igloolik to Clyde River. And uh, it was all about sort of learning about the effects of climate change on on the Inuits. And I kind of joined for a couple of weeks and, wow, it was a reality shock. And uh, But I think what he was doing was testing me out to see if I was capable of joining this bigger expedition. Uh, then the year after, he invited me on this three-month, 1,400-mile dog sled trip from... Uh, Baffin Islands, Resolute Bay to Eureka Weather Station um, to raise awareness of climate change. And we would do daily dispatches to kids in the States and suck them in through the excitement of the expedition and then feed them, you know, climate knowledge along the way. And I remember thinking, oh, you know, what an amazing opportunity. Yes, I'm adventurous and yes, this is exciting, but I very, very nearly said no. And I just was like, part of me was just like to be away from my loved ones for that long, to leave, leave all my creature comforts. And I remember picking up the phone to call him to just be like, do you know what, I'm, I can't do this. Thank you for the invite. Something in me just compelled me to just say yes, you know, and and just get on with it. And so I signed up. It was Will's led it. And then there was five of us who were young explorers all under the age of 28 Sigrid Ekran, who won the Iditarod, um, she's a Norwegian. Tobias Thorlifsson, who's a polar historian. Sarah and Eric McNair Landry um, are two Canadian explorers, and me, the rookie. Um, so I went out there and 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 I had a big slap of reality um, when I got there. Uh, but long story short, by the end of it, I felt like I, you know, I was a changed person. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask that straight away, and that's mm. not necessarily obvious, but almost mm. inevitable. How did it change you? What did it do to you? Mm. Well, I think when I got there, um, I remember we went out for a tra- uh, training ride, and um, and I didn't wear enough clothes, and it was so cold. I mean, like, bone-chilling cold. And I realized then, when you're really, really, really cold, there's no iota of space for positivity. Then I'm a pretty positive guy. Um, and then we got, you know, to the evening and we were looking at the tents that had arrived and what tents we were going to sleep in. And, oh my God, it was like, uh, just insane. The tents were insanely small. 
And I think at this point, you know, I was a young guy and I was kind of lived a relatively luxurious life and and I was like, fuck, how, excuse me, I'm allowed to swear. Yeah, yeah, how am I meant to handle this for the next three months? And and I had this real moment where I went and I pulled myself aside and I looked in the mirror and I just said to myself, look, whatever you do, the only way you're going to get through this is to, is to see every challenge as an opportunity to learn and grow. And it was a mindset shift. And I think the power that this trip gave me is the, the power of your mindset. And the minute I took that approach, everything became palatable. Everything became manageable. Yes, I was absolutely exhausted. Every five-minute break we had, I would fall asleep. I mean, learning the ropes of how to manage and, and pull with dogs, you know, putting ice screws in. You know, the dogs would sleep in the square around us to protect us from polar bears and... Um, not showering for three months and and being detached from modern civilization and you would see a mountain in the distance and you'd be like, we'll be there this afternoon. Four days later, you reach the bottom of it. And so your whole sense of time shifts. But I think the main thing was, is it showed me that when you feel like your tank is empty, it's actually half full. And when you have to dig deep and you have to push through, you learn what you're capable of. Um, and I think the other thing that really gifted me is this ability to be objective, you know, to spend that long detached from modern civilization, completely immersed in wild nature. When I came home, I remember feeling like I was an alien on the planet that I grew up on and being able to look at the way that humans interacted and my friends interacted and the way that people just, just and I did, just go through your life as normal. And being able to be an observer for a short period of time and and see what my place within it was, that was really a powerful thing as well. Yeah, that's something I'm fascinated by. And it's a segue or a tangent, sorry, but let's go there. I think if I were to ever write a book, I think I'd have to call it How to Come Home. Because yeah. it's something we just don't talk about. Mm. And whether that's, you know, military adventurers, mm. you know, field researchers, whatever it might be, mm. that re-engagement, that decompression mm. chamber that we mm. have to experience is profound. Big time. And in your early 20s, what did that do to you? Well, do you know what? It's funny. So I, 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 I had daytime for three months. So I remember the first nighttime I experienced. It was, I was in New York. We were doing a bit of a media tour for the adventure. And, and nighttime came. And I was like, it was the most oppressive, oppressive feeling. It was like the sky was closing in. I was like, whoa, that is so weird. And then, and then when I got home here to, to our home in Oxford, I remember feeling so claustrophobic inside because I was like, I've been outdoors for three months. So I had to go and take my sleeping bag and sleep in the garden for three days um, just because it just felt more comfortable. And then I got woken up one morning by my friend's dog pissing on me, um, <laughs> which <laughs> was a, a nice reality check. Um, and and then obviously like seeing my mates from school who are like my best friends and, and getting together to catch up with them looking like a Yeti and look like some sort of miniature Santa Claus with a big white beard and like wind burnt face and and watching them interact. And it was it, it it was it was really strange, but it was also really wonderful. It was like getting an opportunity to challenge the status quo in life and question and and then work out from an objective place how one wants to integrate. Um, so I suppose, I suppose an integration process is always important after a big expedition. But I think 
it's all about perspective and and gratitude. And I just feel so grateful that I got to experience that at such a young age. Um, and it gave me such a sense of self-worth as well, you know, just to know that what I managed to achieve and undertake and and that was a real foundation for for um yeah for the man I've become. Yeah. No, and before we get into all of that and some of the latest stuff you've done, I think it is worth us talking about, you know, that previous luxurious lifestyle mm-hmm. and where you come from. And, you know, it's worth me saying we didn't talk about this in detail mm-hmm. before this podcast. So mm-hmm. let's just do it all now. Mm-hmm. Um I think, well, from my perspective, I don't judge people from where they come from. I judge them by what they've done with that place mm. and how and the person they've become as a result of their mm. background. That's not to say people have to do anything mm. special, but it's just, it's about attitude mm. rather than origin. And I think, you know, the best place to start with this is maybe, do you feel the burden of a privileged background mm. or not? Mm. Yeah, no, it's a really interesting question and one that, I've been pondering more actually as I get older, especially being a dad and looking at my children and for the first time looking at our life and seeing them and how do I bring them up in the best way. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I used to think no, not at all. Um, and then as I get older and I'm more honest with myself, I think, yeah, there is, there is an element of uh, when I was younger feeling like this responsibility to fix the world and it's my responsibility because of how privileged I've been. Uh, and in relationship, especially someone who's who's tuned in and sensitive and empathetic and has traveled and seen the variety in which we all live on earth. Um, I think for my 20s, I really spent a lot of time trying to correct that imbalance and, and working my ass off to, you know, set up charities and tell stories that matter through my films. And, and I think what I was doing was genuine, and it is, and it still is, but I think a part of me was striving for that, for a sense of reconciliation with my life position. And I burnt out and I got exhausted by it because my motive was slightly warped. And then as I've got into my 30s and older and more aware, I've realized that actually uh, it, 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 the biggest gift you can give yourself if you're born into an opportunity or privilege is to be happy. Because to do a disservice to your situation by burning yourself out or feeling guilty is 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 just completely counterproductive. To be to be healthy and to be happy and to be grateful for the position you've been born into, um, that is uh, doing it justice. And then from that place of happiness, choosing to share the the overflow of love that you have. Um, with other people in making their lives better. Um, that's where I got to with it. That's a really interesting answer. And maybe not what I expected. I don't know quite what I expected, but that's, mm. yeah. It's really interesting. And I think, do you, and you can tell me if you feel like I'm digging too much. I just think mm. it's it's a really important topic. And, you know, to be really frank with you, when I did all of the Instagram stalking and all the other listening that I'm supposed to do before mm. these episodes, I sensed that you were the sort of person I could talk to about this stuff, mm. whereas other people I know who have some other backgrounds maybe aren't. Mm. But do you feel or have you ever felt resentful of the way you were brought up? And have you ever wished, oh, I wish I was just like everyone else because then X, Y, Z or not? No, I've never, I've never been resentful for who I am because it's like... Uh, 
in a way, it's like saying a black, like it's as, it's like being apologizing for being born. You know, it's like a you know a black person presenting being black. It's like a uh, a gay person presenting being gay. It's like a wealthy person presenting being wealthy. You can't be resentful for the position that you've been born into in life, because that is no choice. All the only power that we have is what we choose to do with who we are and the self love that we have. And so for me, like, I, I, I've done so much personal growth through my expeditions and through just personal exploration, meditation, yoga, to find this place within myself, which is understanding that every single person lives a different life, you know. And, and, and we, we generally, in countries, measure ourselves against our peers in that country. But then when you've traveled and you've experienced the world, every single person on this planet lives completely differently um, on a whole spectrum. And I've met some very, very wealthy, successful people who are miserable. And I've met people in mud huts and who are genuinely happy. And I think at the end of the day, what people in this modern world focus on sadly is fame and money a lot of the time, whereas those things don't bring happiness. Um, what brings happiness is sense of self-worth and connection and community. And so I don't look at myself as different from other people. I see myself as someone who is in a position that I am privileged enough to have the space and time to think and ponder and be aware of the impact that I can have and using my position to have an impact as long as I'm taking care of myself first. And that's where my 20s was different. I would always self-sacrifice and try and impact people's lives, whereas now I'm in my 30s, I'm like you got to look after number one first and the biggest gift you can give anyone is your presence and your your sense of well-being and um and so it's been a, a beautiful uh, adventure in itself that personal growth yeah no and it's um you know we're probably about 150 episodes into this podcast and mm. you know listening to people talk about their background you know there are so many people from so many different walks of life and it's interesting almost doing the cross analysis as I'm driving around the country mm. but you know, I've interviewed people who are from council estates who go on to do amazing things. And I'm not saying that's easy, it's not easy, but it's almost like, I have to be careful how I phrase this, but there was almost like a stubbornness to that. I'm going to get out of my situation, I'm going to escape my situation. Adventure or travel was a method of escapism. I don't see that being the case for you from what you've said. And I just think it's interesting, you know, you, you nailed it. I mean, it's, these things don't bring us happiness. Um, money, fame, fortune, etc. It's kind of identity. It's kind of purpose, I think. And you've spoken about it really well. But given everything you told me at the start, you know, you are an adventurer. You are a father. You're a musician. You're a businessman. You're a filmmaker. What is your? And, and I think maybe you'd have answered this differently, age twenty-three. But in your mid to late thirties, what is your purpose? So I remember doing a lot of personal growth work and still feeling quite frustrated. And I remember having a meditate and I sat down. I was like, come on, Sam. Like, what do you want? And I remember I found the clarity to write down on a piece of paper. I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. I want to spend quality time with the people I love. I want to be creatively inspired. And I want to create things of value to myself and the world. And the minute I wrote that down on that piece of paper... It enabled me to say no to things. It enabled me to say yes to things. It gave me a mission. And that mission has 
it's been a, a, a filter in which to make choices. And those choices have added up to me finding myself in my late 30s living the life I always dreamed of. Um, and so uh, my that's my sort of personal mission for myself. And the way that I enact that is through creating, because I, I'm a creative, I love to create, and that might be creating Strive Challenge, where I take people off on adventures, it might be creating songs, it might be creating films. Um, so I think the way, my prism in which to do that is through storytelling. If I actually think about what the heart of what it is that I do, why, you know, why do I tell films and why do I write songs and why am I talking to you about a podcast? And at the end of the day, it's, 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 I'm just fascinated by the, the, um, the experience of life and how similar we all are. You know, I heard a stat the other day that nobody, no matter who you meet on earth, even if it's some guy in outer Mongolia, they're no further away from you than your 60th cousin, which means that most people are actually pretty close. And, and I'm just fascinated by human psychology and the fact that we are all so similar, yet people seem to focus so much on the differences. And I feel part of my role in life is to to help people through sharing my own life um, see a more positive and optimistic take on the world um, and to see our similarities, not our differences, and to hopefully inspire people to get out more because I learn the most when I push myself out of my comfort zone in whatever form that takes, whether that be crapping myself to stand on stage and share one of my songs or whether that be to trek through the Arctic. Um, you know, but it's what I've, just know is every time I've been out of my comfort zone, I come back a fuller, wholer, stronger person for it. And so what is your life actually like on a day-to-day or a year-to-year basis? Do you have balance and how do you find it? Yeah, I mean, so it's interesting. So I don't, I, I, I do all the things I did in my 20s that made me burn out, but I've even added stuff on in my 30s, but I'm not burning out. And so it's not so much what you do. I suppose part of it is what you say no to is as important as what you say yes to. Um, but it's also self-care routine. You know, it's looking after yourself. You know, I, I don't drink. I, I meditate. I do yoga when I need it. I do exercise. I know when to step back and take time for quality family time. Um, you know, I don't feel guilty anymore about taking a couple of days off when I need it. Um, and also when I've got the energy, I go gung-ho for the things that I'm doing and I'm passionate about. And I suppose when I was younger, I used to put on many different hats and then I'd get home at the end of the day and be like, oh, my hat feels uncomfortable. Whereas now I only have one hat and it's mine and I wear it in every situation I'm in. And that comes just through experience of personal growth. And, uh, and, and I, think it's a, I think it's a standard thing I think in your 30s, I watch it with all my mates as well. You kind of hit your 30s, the, 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 the silly time's over. It's time to grow up and mature. And I think a lot of people go through this period of time of transition and personal growth where they're like, who is it I want to be and how am I going to create a livelihood for my family and, and what impact do I want to have and, and what makes me happy? And I think um, that's a really challenging but beautiful time for people and I see life as one big adventure anyway you know alongside the other adventures it is it's it's got like any adventure it's ups and it's downs it's lefts and it's rights but with the right approach 
every adventure should leave you fulfilled. And that's if you've got the right perspective. Yeah, it's a cheesy thing to say, but life is the grand adventure, right? It's, mm. you know, and realizing that is <clears throat> a direct route to happiness, I would argue, but I'm open to being disagreed with. Mm. I think it's, you know, it, it's interesting as well. I was, um, did an event with Chris Burkhardt, the photographer, with an audience the other day, and we talked about almost like the burden of platform, which is a slightly different thing, but it's almost the same thing. And I think it was someone in the audience asked the question basically around, you know, there is lots wrong with this world. There is lots we should be trying to fix. Some people do not have the means to try and fix anything because they're just doing day-to-day, you know, trying to get by, whether that's because they've got young kids and they don't have much or whatever it might be, they have a disability. However, whatever it might be, I feel it myself because I'm in my mid-30s, I've built something that I'm proud of, I know who and what I am, but I do look at the world and think, oh, I could definitely do more to save this planet. I could definitely do more to help other people. I could do more, 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 more. And, you know, not to overshare, and this isn't about me, but I've burnt out hard. Mm. I, took, I had to take six months off. I had to have therapy. I had to do all of it. And it was because I was gunning at a thousand miles an hour every day to make something of myself and to try and change the world. Mm. And I think, you know, the reason for the speech is getting around to ask, you know, you've said about, you know, meditation, you don't drink, etc. But have you lived a life where you felt under pressure to try and solve all of these problems? And how did you combat that feeling? How did you learn to take two days off whenever you want them? Mm, yeah, so so I definitely did. Self-imposed pressure. Um, I think removing the word should from your vocabulary, one's vocabulary, is one of the best self-love gifts you can give yourself. And also something I'm aware of with my kids is you should. Should is shame-based. And when you said, um, you know, I feel like I should change the world. You know, it's interesting. It's like, therefore, if you don't, you should feel bad about it. And my personal view is there shouldn't be shoulds. If you are passionate and you have the means and the time and the energy to want to make an impact on things, absolutely go for it. And and if you're living day to day trying to sustain your family and you don't have the space and time to think about existential threats like climate change or war, then you've got to double down and focus on what's within your power and within your control. I think, I think, I think, you know, that's just so, so important. Um, and I think for me, you know, I I was winning awards in my production company. I was you know, doing adventures, strive, making a difference, a big change through this education charity we've got. And I stood up to do a speech I've done 20 times before to a load of kids and five minutes in, something inside just went, I've got, you've got nothing more to say. And so I said, look, I'm really sorry, I've got a dodgy tummy. And I walked off and I was like, what was that? What just happened? And I think what my body was saying is, you can't give any more out until you've given to yourself and so I definitely went through a period of time of like sort of really reflecting on that and recalibrating my approach to stuff instead of running in taxis all over London, meeting to meeting, saying yes to every email and, and uh, yeah, and burning myself out. I, I, I had this, did this personal growth. I took up meditation. I took up yoga um, and I did some, you know, real personal self-exploration. Um, and in that journey, I think the biggest gift that I've learned is to be very in tune with how I'm feeling 
uh, and where my energy is on a certain day. And sometimes we've just got to get up and get done what we need to get done. And other times it's like, actually, do you know what? I'm going to say no to that. And that's well within my right. And, and, and today I just need, I need a cozy day. Or, or, you know, and I think the main thing is having the self-awareness to know where your energy's at. Um, and that's, that's a real gift um, in terms of being sustainable. Because if you're not being sustainable, like we talk about changing the world, environmental sustainability. There are many environment, you know, environmentalists out there who don't know how to be sustainable with their own energy. And if you're not being sustainable with your own energy, you're going to burn out. And it's the same on a planetary basis. So my view is, you know, we are a living, breathing organism. You know, how do I look after what I digest through my eyes, my ears, my mouth? You know, how do I look after my mental state, my physical state, my emotional state? How do I, what things make me feel inspired? And being curious and being a detective and going, what are the inputs? What's the output? You know, what things make me feel great and calm and happy and what things make me feel fractured and tired? And hopefully with maturity and the self-understanding, making more and more choices that make you feel great because people who are healthy, people who are happy and people who have self-awareness are 10 times more likely to have a positive impact to the people around them and the world. Again, it's super cheesy, but I mean, and this is a therapy thing, but somebody who's very, very close to me and a bit older, one of my closest friends said to me, in an emergency, you put your own oxygen mask on before you help others. Mm, mm. And I just thought, yeah, that's the perfect analogy. Mm, definitely. And then it sounds like everything you're saying, you know, it sounds like hard-won, hard-learned behavior. Mm. You almost had to go through all of the drops mm. to learn to become that person. Mm, definitely. Which is difficult in mm. and of itself. It's almost like how you would hope that people can listen to this podcast mm. and take stuff from it, but I don't know. Sometimes you do just have to experience these hardships. You, I think you do. And actually, as a dad, I think, you know, as parents, we try and protect our children. But my view is as long as something isn't so big that it causes trauma, um, all, all emotional challenges are growth. And it is the making of you. I think the one biggest insight I've had through my experience is learning to be okay with feeling vulnerable. And, and that is something we all have. No one is immune from that. Um, and there's, you know, we, we have days where the sun's out emotionally and we have days where it's cloudy and that's just life. But learning, you know, the way they actually test courage in scientific tests is the willingness someone is to be vulnerable. Um, and, and it's the same with adventuring. You know, some people go on adventures and they absolutely hate it because they don't like feeling uncomfortable. And other people thrive off that. With enough experience, you go, oh, you know, this is going to be one of those days. It's, you know, like on Strive, I've done these big multidiscipline charity fundraisers, a month-long 2,000-kilometer challenge, and people go, what's the hardest day? And I'm like, it's not the profile. It's not the day on the map that looks the hardest. It's the day of the month where, for whatever reason, you wake up and you just do not feel like striving. You just feel exhausted for whatever reason. And picking yourself up and getting yourself through the day in the healthiest, positive way, they're the strivy days. They're the days you have to make the effort. And they're the days by the end of the day that you feel most satisfied for. Yeah, I couldn't agree with any of this anymore. I mean, mm. it's like, again, it's cheesy, but... I don't know how to explain it. It's almost like courage isn't the absence of fear. I think it took me 10 years to learn that, playing the game that I play. I portrayed myself as this strong, brave man because that's what I thought I was supposed to be. Mm. And, you know, I think it's very healthy for two 
adventure white men to sit mm. down and talk about being vulnerable because mm. you know if you were to sit me down and say what's the biggest thing you've learned that's made you a better man mm. and i use that term specifically my ability to be vulnerable mm. to have flaws to need help mm. and For sure that was hard to learn mm. because of how i was brought up i think mm. and and just the 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 collective perspective of what a man should be um, but I just think, I think that's slightly shifted now. If I look at all my mates, the way that they are, co complete co-parents with their children, you know, not definitely not as good as women as talking. Um, but, but, but I would say my friend group of guys, pretty good considering. And the power of talking about anything is just, a, just so healing. Um, and, you know, I just fundamentally believe that if you are experiencing something in life, bet you anything billions of people have gone before you who have experienced it and and many people today are and and so we're all on this shared adventure with its ups and its downs and life can be absolutely dreamy and life can be absolutely crap and that's the same for everyone no matter who you are no matter where you come from how much money you have what part of the world you're born into no one is immune from challenges and I think your situation just means that there's certain aspects of your life that have a, micro, a magnifying glass on them. And that may be because of extreme wealth, or it might be because of extreme poverty, or it might be because of where you're born in the world. Um, but I think one thing I've realized is, is never judge anyone and, and never presume you are that different from anyone else because we all experience fear, love, hate, jealousy. Underneath the 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 outside we're all going through the same emotions regardless of what the inputs are so my view is you know we're all the same we're all floating through this bloody universe trying to make the best of things um and i think those who have been brave enough to go through a personal journey to accept their vulnerabilities they're not the ones that judge you know you're only judging other people if you're judging yourself well exactly yeah i think generally it comes from a deep insecurity doesn't it mm. rather than mm. <clears throat> Yeah. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, fascinating. Mm. So I think, you know, again, it's a, it's a natural segue into the Strive stuff. I'm really interested mm. in that because I think it would be good for you to give us some context around what it is and where it comes from. Mm. Um, well, let's start there. Um, so yes, yeah, so Strive Challenge is a multidiscipline, I call it adventure philanthropy, um, but it's basically after my trip in the Arctic and such a profound change it made in me as a man and a person, um, I wanted to find an, a way of bringing other people on that sort of experiential journey. And then a few years before, my sister and I and some mates uh, set up a charity called Big Change, which is all about helping young people thrive in life, not just exams. 
Uh, and we did that off the back of uh, breaking a world record at the London Marathon dressed up as a giant caterpillar for the most amount of people to do it linked together. Um, and, uh, and I met up with my cousin and, um, and I said, um, I said, look, I've got this crazy idea, uh, to, to, to go from London, to, from the Matterhorn to London. He goes, he's a mountaineer and he was like, oh, I had something similar about London to the Matterhorn. And we were like, I was like, well, why don't we do this? And he was like, yeah, we can get a couple of buddies together and we'll do this challenge. And I was like, how's about we get hundreds of people together and we raise money for big change. And so... I convinced him to quit his job uh, and help me set this up. And, and so we've been a bit of a dream team. I'm a sort of ideas creative guy and he's great at the nuts and bolts logistics. And, and so since its inception, we've traveled, I think, over 6,000 kilometers under human power, raised seven and a half million quid for big change and had, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people step out of their comfort zones. Um, and it's just been, for me as, as an adventurous person, to have that thing in my diary each year that keeps me having to get fit and going out and experiencing new parts of the world and pushing myself has been a real joy. Yeah, and obviously what you get out of it is, you know, the philanthropic side is raising money for big change, but as a person, what do you get out of that experience? You know, you mm. could go and do an adventure for the sake of doing it for you. Mm. What is it you love about doing that? I think the same thing I love about all adventures is, is my number one love in life other than my family is, is nature, is getting out and having reasons to go and experience more of this beautiful world and um, the different environments and places that, that that brings and the feelings and sensations that come with being on a mountain or in a jungle or swimming across an ocean or, you know, being immersed in this world. Um, and then also doing it with other people, you know, experiencing being on challenges with all, being able to not be scared of the challenge because I thrive on it and being with other people who are nervous and, and seeing their growth, you know, the amount of times on a strive when we're cycling God knows how many kilometers in a short space of time and someone's cycling next to me and they're crying and I'm like, and they're like, I just don't know why I'm crying. And I'm like, it's because you're exhausted and you have no guard, dude. You have no energy to have a guard and you needed to cry. You just needed to let that out. And there's something so powerful as well in, 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 in the, the camaraderie that you get through a shared challenge. And I think if we could perceive some of the challenges we face in life in general as a shared challenge, collective challenge, like climate change, um, the sense of camaraderie you get from that is is really powerful and that's that's something else that I love. Yeah, and it's probably quite obvious. <clears throat> I would hope that what I'm aiming to do with this podcast mm. is advocate adventure and encourage people to go on them, mm. whether it's, you know, buy a map of your local area mm. and surprise yourself with somewhere you've never been before mm. or whether it's you know go for three months on a dog sled what is it that you think adventure gives people that they can't find elsewhere mm, interesting question um <laughs> i think adventuring is a perspective and i think they'll be able to find that in their life if they've got that perspective but for people i think the question really is for people who aren't adventurous so it's just innate in me and has only grown with experience. And some people just thrive off of it and some people don't. Um, but I think the point that I would say is you will never come back from an adventure not having learned something about yourself that will benefit your life. 
Um, and, uh, and most likely it will have taken you into a new place with new people out of your comfort zone. I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit cheesy, but it, the, the whole phrase that we have at Strive is um, growth happens when you step out of your comfort zone. Magic happens when you do it with others. Um, and there's, you know, there is a sense of bonding that happens with other people under a shared struggle, um, which I think they, people experienced in, you know, World War One, World War Two. the sense of camaraderie, the unify, unification of countries as awful as war is and should never happen. You know, people bond over shared struggle. Um, and that's what you get on an expedition. I've said this a few too many times on this podcast, although maybe only three or four in the 150, but have you read Tribe by Sebastian Younger? No, I haven't. It, the concept, and this isn't going to be a turn-off initially, but is why young men miss war. But really, it goes so much deeper than that. And it looks at what human beings need to be happy. And there's this sensational line or paragraph in that book about you know one of these old boys who was um, living during the Blitz in World War II. Mm. And he said, I wouldn't want to get bombed every day, but maybe just once a week. Oof. And it was, and it's awful in a way, and it's, it's a crude... Um, thing to use to talk about this but his point was we had so much purpose mm. you know something would happen we would all run out of our doors we would see who need help we would yeah. see what needed moving and he missed it yeah. yeah and i don't know about you but that you know since becoming a dad covid etc mm. it wasn't itchy feet for me it wasn't oh, i need to get out there and see more it was i need that experience that mm. shared experience of hardship and uncertainty with others totally i mean my dad said to me the other day that his dad told him before he died that the happiest time of his life was the second world war yeah isn't that amazing it's unreal um and that's not advocating war no, no. it causes generational trauma that we really 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 don't want in the world but but it, but it's interesting you know he had that perspective as well and and i think there's yeah i mean i think i think if i can relate it to my own experience it would be the simplicity of expedition life, which there is an, there is a simplicity in probably war life too, which is this, i got to get up today and I've got to survive today and I've got to do it in the healthiest, happiest way I possibly can. And all the sort of noise of the modern world, the pace, the distraction, the digital, the, the this to that, and pulls in our attention. It's like, no, 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 i got to put one foot in front of the other and I've got to survive today and I've got to do it as best I can. And I've got to get across that finishing line with these people standing next to me. And I think there's a lot to be said for sim sim simplifying one's life as best as possible. And it's not always easy. But I think cutting out as much noise as possible is, is powerful. Totally agree. Yeah, it's like I am really guilty of I'll, I'll go on a trip. I will realize how simple life really can be mm. and how much stress noise distraction like negative stress noise distraction i believe that stress is a good thing in the right circumstances but i could remove from my life i do that for six to eight weeks and then slowly it creeps back in mm. and return to normal but also if you've not experienced that whether it's three days on the isle of sky mm. or whether it's three months on the mm. dog sled you don't have that perspective and i think mm. that's one thing i'm always trying to say is just go out there and experience it mm. Just see what it's like to strip away mm. all of the concern about X, Y, Z, A, B, C. Totally. And see what it does to your sanity. Mm. So Alistair Humphreys is great at the micro-adventures. Yeah. You know, honestly, adventuring, it doesn't need to be in some far-flung place of the world. It can literally be 
in your back garden if you take it with the right approach and it's it's you challenge yourself and you're out of your comfort zone i don't know if you're aware of what he's doing now he's doing this amazing thing where you can go on the os maps website you can put your postcode in and they you know you pay you 14 pounds and they send you a custom os map with your house in the middle wow and he's now trying to visit every grid square Whoa. and have an adventure in yeah. every grid square yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know the point is obvious it's mm. you don't need to go to Belize mm. well, we can and I think we should and that's perhaps controversial uh, but should <laughs> oh yeah no fair yeah, Could, if we chose to no I yeah, love yeah, that yeah. I, I you saw my reaction when you said that earlier <laughs> we could um if we chose to <laughs> <laughs> but I it's tell you good. what when you take shit up your vocabulary it's really hard it's really hard at first but you do become aware of of that um of uh, yeah how yeah, it's funny he says it this conversation's really different to a lot of the conversations I've had recently, and I think it's because we're both sat here in person, and mm. it's making me think I should do it a lot more. But mm. as I was driving over here today, I've been thinking for a long time, I want to do a book, which is um, basically 100 lessons learned from 100 adventurers, mm. a page and a photograph. Mm. Um, and I think yours is probably remove should from your vocabulary. Yeah, nice. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is, nice. Well, I'll more than happily contribute if you want to. <laughs> So um, I think it would also, I don't know, I, I want to get into a little bit of like, what do you do for fun? Mm. When it's, you know, there's no philanthropy involved, there's no filmmaking involved. What's your, not your dream trip, but what have you done and what do you do to give you that fix of getting out into the wilds? Well, there's two different questions there. It's what do I do for fun and what do I do to get me out in the wilds? Oh, if they're different, so, then fire away. Well, so, so getting out in the wild is fun. I think, I think I'll start with bite size, which is what do I do for fun? Um, and I think for me, it's passion. Passion is, is, that's, that is my number one thing for my children. It's the number one gift in my life is being aware of what I'm passionate about and feeding it and just knowing when you're doing what you're passionate about, you do all the really hard work it takes to make it a success because it is hard work. But you don't realize you're working because you just can't help but do it because you love it. And it's like passion is this love that just keeps unfolding and you just keep pushing through with it. So, so for me, it's I, what I do for fun is things that I'm passionate about. So that's right, songwriting, time disappears. Um, surfing, time disappears. Spending quality, fun, silly time with my kids and not just spending time with my kids, but tuning into their mental level and allowing myself to be a kid with them and being silly. And our son's actually called Bluey. But when I watched the cartoon Bluey, which came out after he was born, I, it makes me want to be a better dad. So they're things I do for fun, just things that I'm passionate about, hanging out with mates, being silly, being as silly as I can, really, um, and trying to laugh as much as possible. And then, And then things that get me out, I mean, luckily I have Strive because Strive is this rolling thing that happens once or twice a year and that's really helps me get out. And, um, and, and I think without that, I would have to put a lot of work into trying to come up with adventures. Um, but the other thing I've been really trying to do recently is, is explore England and, and Great Britain. Um, and I think with my kids at school during term times you know nine months of the year I'm like okay hold on this we lived overseas we lived in Bali for a bit we traveled quite a lot and we've now recently just settled properly in the UK for the first time in years and I was like okay right 
I need adventure in my life and I can't just wait for these big far-flung adventures. How can I get adventure in my life? So I've spent the last year doing up an old camper van, which you saw earlier, um, and that's my adventure wagon. And I'm, you know, I've got ideas, you know, to just go and explore Great Britain on a whim, you know, got a couple of days, I'm going to go up to the Lake District, um, you know, recently went up to the Peach Street where my cousin got caught in a blizzard, <laughs> then swam in an ice cold lake. And just that's, that's enough adventuring. Um, and I've got this little idea brewing, which is to try and surf England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales in a week. Um, and just get a little crew together to do that. So just reasons to get out, yeah. That's an interesting point that I wasn't expecting to go down the route of is like self-imposed challenge mm -hmm. because I'm not saying that they're necessary, but they are quite useful. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got my own silly one to run the, run the coast path in Suffolk, which yeah. is one of the least interesting coast paths in the world. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's a long way, but, yeah. you know. Why not? And that is a really interesting example of, Mm. I don't know, if, it's not about whether or not anyone's done it. I'm mm. personally, I'm a bit... Yeah, I'm not fussed about that. Either. No, but that's a cool concept. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it's... But it, like you said, what do you do for fun? It's, well, that's adventuring. It's something new that I haven't done before. It's hanging out with mates. It's surfing. Um, you know, it's... I think in there, there's something interesting. It's like doing something I haven't done before. I think there's... If you're adventurous, you have this excitement of new experiences because you know they're exciting and you know that there's something to be learned from them. And I think I think if 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 people are listening to this and they don't necessarily feel they're an adventurer, um, and the the typical sense of adventure doesn't appeal to them, I think a lens in which may be helpful to look look through it is new experiences. And for you, it might be I'm signing up to a yoga class. You know, that might be an adventurous adventure for someone. It might be out of their comfort zone. It might be, I'm going to go and have that singing lesson that I've wanted to have for 20 years. You know, it's it's new experiences. It's just, and I think that's that's where it kind of links with adventure in day-to-day -day life. Yeah, something somebody said to me a while ago, which really landed with me, a lady called Gilly MacArthur. She said, um, I need to make sure I get my GCSE English right here. <laughs> it's switching it from a noun to an adjective. So I'm not an adventurer. I am adventurous. Yes. Yeah, and I really yeah, like totally. that because, yeah, yeah. you know, personal identity struggles. I thought, am I a climber? I'm not really yeah. a climber. I don't yeah, really yeah, go yeah. climbing. Yeah. I just film climbing for work. Yeah. But, I'm, but we also try, have to try and label stuff. People love to box stuff. Yeah. You know, and actually the problem with labeling is you then take away the human. You know, the waiter, the, the politician, the adventurer. You know, it's people love to put people in boxes, but... The end of the day, you know, especially in this day and age, you know, young people are going to have four or five different careers throughout their whole life. This world of what do you want to be when you grow up and you have to choose that one thing and all that pressure to decide, it's like, hold on, what type of person are you? What skills do you have? What's your passion areas? And what do you want to, you know, what, what do you want to kind of explore? And that informs everything else. Yeah. Do you know what you want to do with the rest of your life? Well, at the moment, I don't. I also don't try and project too far ahead. I think my wife and I realised a few years ago that the best way to approach life is in yearly increments. You know, where do we want to be for the next year? What's right for us and what's right for our children? What challenges do I want to undertake or we want to undertake for the next year? And then at the end of that year, you reassess. And and I think um, uh, I think if COVID's shown us anything, it's that things can change so dramatically on such a short space of time. Projecting 
more far ahead than that unless you have to is 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 slightly unnecessary so i think for me doing what i'm doing and continuing to do what i'm doing for the next year is exciting and and this year i'm releasing my debut album so there's a lot to be done around that as well i was gonna say i can see you most can't but you just looked across longingly at your guitar <laughs> if you said I, that i call that guitar my mistress <laughs> <laughs> um yeah she's a beauty I, I, you know, I know it's the Adventure Podcast, and actually, you know, perhaps controversially, I don't like the name. I mm. really would love to change it. But mm. what is it about the music? Mm. So, music, I've just always been drawn to. I just, since I was young, when I was ten, I got Snoop Dogg's Doggy World, <laughs> the most insanely misogynistic, ridiculous album in the world. But I, when I heard it, I was just wow, and I had it on my discman, and I used to play it on repeat, and that was my first like wow factor with music. And then I was sort of the, the Oasis era and I, they were my fave for so long. And I played Wonderwall on repeat for 10 years and bled everyone's ears out until I decided to learn some new songs. But I think for me, there's like, I was never very any good. I didn't have a very good voice and I wasn't very good at guitar, but I just found myself constantly picking it up. And, and I was unbelievably shy and nervous to play in front of people to the sense like inside I felt like I was imploding. And, but I would still do it. Because there was this need in me to just push myself. I think maybe that's the adventurer. Um, but as I've sort of refined with the craft and spent time on it, you know, I get in a flow state with it. And and like there aren't many that many other things I can think of, like a handful, that I do where time completely disappears. Um, and I find in particularly songwriting, I've had this calling to be a songwriter. Like I used to write poetry when I was younger and filmmaking, but with filmmaking, you're so at the whim of other people and there's so many boxes you need to fit it into. The simplicity of being able to pick up my guitar, connect to my heart and share a story that can touch other people's lives. You know, I always looked at songwriters like they're magicians. You are magicians. There was a magic in it. And so when I'm writing like, a time disappears, I find it a spiritual experience because it's as much as me getting myself out of the way as it is self-reflecting and sharing. Um, and and I just find it's just joy. I just it's definitely my biggest passion. And and interestingly, talking about courage and being out of one, one's comfort zone, it took me 30 years to have the courage to pursue my passion for music. Um, even though I was doing lots of other challenges. Um, so yeah, I'm really grateful to be doing what I love now. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to put it. I, mm. I'm envious of anybody musical because I'm desperate to be, but I'm talentless. And I think, mm. as I said to you earlier, I'm married to a mm. highly talented musician. Mm. So, I think I think in that though, there's there's, I, I mean, it's craft. It's craft based. Unless you're you're tone deaf, which is I think people say they are, but they're they're not. Unless maybe one in a billion. Um, it's just time. It's time, it's a language, it's energy. It's, and also I always try and implore people, if you're not trying to be a professional musician and it makes you happy to play your instrument, the amount of people that played piano when they were a kid or had a trumpet and it's up in the loft and I was like, did you enjoy playing that? Like, yeah, I really want to pick it up. I'm like, just put it in the corner of your room. If you're not trying to do anything with it, just do it because it's joyful. It's such a star-based industry and people think if you're not a megastar, you haven't made it. It's like, but hold on, it's just like art. It's like painting, it's like drawing, it's like any creative outlet. For some people, it's tennis, whatever. Have your guitar in the corner and just strum a few chords, learn a couple of songs, just because it makes you happy. You know, you don't have to then share it if you don't want to. And I'm a big believer in 
you know, the, the science, there's a great book, um, This Is Your Brain on Music. And, and music, listening to music is one of the only things that activates every part of your brain. And making music is even magnified. And so there's some really healing benefits as well to, to, to playing music. Yeah. No, it's fascinating because my, my father-in-law is a, he's a literally world-class opera singer. Mm. And he says, um, I'm convinced there's nobody... I couldn't teach to sing. And that's not an ego point. He's saying, you know, anybody can. But I think that translates nicely into the world of adventure outdoors um, and those experiences as well, because I don't know if you agree, but I just, I notice people feeling so much pressure when, I don't want to just get into social media all the time, but you've got Alex Honnold, you've got Nims, you've got these superheroes. Mm. Um and it's, but I think the barriers to entry are like, oh, I can't be a climber. Oh, I can't go and walk the West Highland Way. And the reality is, I mean, it's the equivalent of putting the trumpet in the corner and just looking at it mm. is, well, what if you just bought a pair of walking boots and thought one Saturday, mm. I'm going to just see if we can go and walk 10K mm. somewhere. Mm. Because I guarantee you can walk 10K in a mm. pair of walking boots. Are you talking for day-to-day people listening? Yeah, yeah 100%. I mean, I, I mean, everything is... With enough time and energy, it's it's interesting. Like for me, it's like why did I put off music for so long when it was my biggest passion, you know? And I think there is something when people, you know, people are either scared it's out of their comfort zone, or when you know you love something so much, the risk of failure is so much bigger. Because, but the the interesting dichotomy of what I've realised is when you're doing what you love, you've already succeeded. And yes, you need to make a living from it. And yes, you need to make it financially successful. But there are loads of people out there who are very financially successful, who are miserable, um, and they haven't succeeded in life. And there are people out there who are living paycheck to paycheck, who are doing what they absolutely love, and they are passionate, and they can't wait to get up in the morning and do what they do, because they love what they do. That passion is that success. And I think when it comes to adventuring and stepping out of your comfort zone, it's like, you can think of a million reasons not to do anything. But if you can think of that one reason, say yes and just do it. And my whole view is say yes and then work out how to do it later. Say yes and then work out how to do it when you've already done it. <laughs> just start walking, just start doing and um, and start off bite size, you know. Yeah, it's one of those other really cheesy pieces of advice which really landed with me, which was because um, I've struggled with imposter syndrome my entire career. Mm. Um I was saying, haven't we all? Yeah, I was saying just before, you know, I struggled to walk out on stage the other day just to interview Chris Burkhardt. Mm. I'm, I'm the host, I'm not Chris. Mm. I was like, I shouldn't be here. Mm. This isn't for me. But one of the greatest things I've ever learned is, you know, don't worry, no one else knows what they're doing either. Yeah, completely. We're all just swinging it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So on the, on the Strive stuff, have you noticed, I mean, of course you have, but how have you noticed people change over the course of those experiences? Mm. Well, I think, I think oh, I'll try, try and tell the story right. So as a, I'll give you one example. So there's a lady called Susie Ma who's got a company called Tropic Skincare. And she was pitched the idea of doing Strive at a fast track event for her company. And uh, they were going around. So would anyone like to join Strive? Um, we, or we were going around. So would anyone like to join Strive? And she's now a long-term striver who's done it like 10 times. And um, just as they were going around, she overheard these two men at the table going, that's not one for the ladies. And she, having never done an adventure in her life before, was like, uh, screw you, yeah. stuck her hand up, 
she was like, not a chance. She's now done every single strive since. And she has, uh, she's an tr absolute trooper. She loves it. She's amazing. And I bet she's outperforms, you know, people with that sort of attitude um, over and over again. And I think, I think the main thing I notice in people is the same thing that I experienced when I took my first big adventure is that how wonderful it is when you go out into nature, how wonderful it is when you step out your comfort zone, how rewarding it is when you're doing it for a common purpose um, and what you're capable of. You know, she went from being someone who was not going to say yes, who was, you know, empowered and like, you know, to prove, prove her own sense of worth by saying yes. And by God, she's done that 10 times over. She needed that little impetus. But the main thing is, is that, um, and then I've seen other people, you know, other guys who have had some serious medical illnesses who, you know, were told that they basically are going to have to give up on physical activity with sheer determination, turn up and hike up a bloody mountain with us, exhausted, but they got through it. And my God, you know, by the end, that sense of self-worth and, um, uh, and, and, and the main thing that I love about Strive and what I'm most proud of is it's a cynic-free environment. And you see so many of these challenges that there's a sense of competition and there's a beat-your-chest vibe. And there's all power to those events that are all about who can come first. But th this event, it doesn't matter who you are, how much you struggle, no one is racing. It's about getting the whole team from start to finish. And everyone is unbelievably supportive. Uh, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I would say it's cheesy to say, but I don't actually believe it's cheesy to say. I think it's easy to be a cynic. I really do. I think the world's one of the things that there's a time for critical thinking and there is a time for optimism and what I've noticed through challenges on every single challenge of undertaking if you take an optimistic approach and optimism isn't naive it's being able to have leadership in the face of adversity and see the solution you get through the day in the best way you know and I think what the world needs now more than ever is a sense of optimism because we are faced with so many challenges but if we undertake them like an expedition and we say okay how are we going to do this how are we going to nail this together without cynicism so i've gone off on a bit of a tangent but no, it, i like it the, i because, like the tangent um but yeah so with strive i'm most most proud of a, a cynic free environment where everyone's unbelievably supportive to get everyone through the challenge and what i would like to see in the world is us taking that approach to day-to-day -day problems yeah, you're right. Because it's it's also, I think it's easy to be a cynic, but some people happen to be pessimistic, either by nature or through mm. the experiences of that. But I think I like to phrase it as I'm a realistic optimist. Mm. You know, I'm mm. not naively moving into the sunset thinking everything's fine. And I think you're right. You know, it's as we do face these global challenges, local challenges, personal challenges, looking at them with a sense of realistic optimism mm. is, well... I've personally found it's the only way to be happy with mm. the things we're facing. Mm. And finally, you know, we touched on it earlier, but not everybody has the capacity or the situational circumstances to, you know, make great change. But the sense of, you know, you talk about passion, I talk about purpose, mm. but the sense of passion and purpose you can find from joining one of those things. Mm. And that's the other mm. point I wanted to bring up with you is, you know, given everything we've talked about and your life and the way that it's lived you can't fix everything mm. you need to pick a couple of things mm. 
I don't know if you agree with that, actually. Or I, I completely agree with that. And I think more than that, it all stems from you. And I think the, it, your, your number one focus, well, I've realized in my life, the thing that has benefited my approach to life is putting my focus on me, first and foremost, healthy, selfish, is going, right, absolutely making my health and well-being a number one priority. And then, you know, my dad actually talks about this quite beautifully. It's like circles he talks about. It's like you look after your own circle. When your own circle's sorted, then you look after your family circle. And when your family circle's sorted, then you look after your 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 community. And then when your community, then your city. And if you're lucky enough to find yourself in a position where you can look after your country and the world, then you do that. But I think in day-to-day life, there are a lot of people who for you know, experiential reasons, their circle takes up most of their time. Absolutely fine. Focus on that. For some people, they've got enough capacity for their families and others it widens. And also it depends on the day. You know, I've done so much personal growth work and I'd say my life is, my sales are humming, you know, but there's some days where I just got to look after me. I can't change anyone's life. I've just got to like give myself a big fat hug for the day and then I'm fine, you know. Um, and other days where I feel like I can take on climate change and I'm trying to set up organizations to do that. And, and, and I, think, I think it all comes down to self-awareness and having the courage to kind of go, okay, what do I need today? And once I've serviced that need, what do other people need and how can I help them too? Can't argue with that. Mm. So um, conscious of time. Mm. I always end these podcasts by asking the same two questions. Mm-hmm. The first is, what scares you? Mm. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's it's a hard one because I've been asked that uh, before. Um, I think I think if I really had to be honest about it, I would say death. Yeah, I think I'm scared of dying. And I think a lot of people are, and a lot of people kind of... I think a lot of people's fears are based around that underlying fear. Um, and so, yeah, I'm scared of dying because I love life. That's amazing. Yeah, interesting. Mm. I have a strong... I'm going to say that this bit isn't about me. We'll talk mm. about it afterwards. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I'm going to ask the question, but then give you a little disclaimer. Mm-hmm. What brings you hope? And if you were going to say your kids, you're allowed to, but I'd also ask you to pick something else. What always brings me hope every day is that no matter what the media says about the world and whatever bad stuff is going on, in day-to-day life, pretty much every single day, I see the kindness of strangers. And I've, when I give love and I give a smile and I give a sense of humor to people I've never met before, I always get it back 90% of the time. And so I have faith that regardless of what stories are being told about the world on a day-to-day basis, people are inherently kind. And I believe that through that and capitalizing on that, we can um, make the world a better place. Ace, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Nice. Rock and roll. Thanks for listening. For more information, head to theadventurepodcast.co.uk. If you want to get in touch, then you can email me at matt at terraincognita.studio. And finally, as always, please do leave us an honest review on iTunes. They're immensely helpful and help us to reach a wider audience.